This is the Level Flight Podcast. Welcome back to episode eight, seven, 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 seven. of the Level Flight Podcast. Um, there's three games that we are going to discuss today. Uh, they had a back-to-back against Vancouver and Seattle, and then came back home and dominated the Ottawa Senators. I am with Brian. Hello. And Elliot. Hey, hey, hey. So let's get right into it. Let's go back to Saturday, where the Jets beat the Vancouver Canucks 5-1. Uh, what were your guys' initial thoughts from that game? What did you like? I mean, obviously, dominant performance. The, Van- the Canucks didn't score till late in the third. Um, I, I read on Twitter that someone from the Sportsnet broadcast said shutout with like eight minutes left, and then the Canucks ended up scoring. But yeah. that's what. Besides that, what were your guys' takeaways? <laughs> I th- I thought it was a good game. I I it's what we we want to see that on a regular basis. We'll get into it against Ottawa as much as Ottawa might. It's kind of like a fringe team. When teams are bad or not playing well, you need to capitalize and win games. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it that should be. We had two five one wins in this stretch, so that just yeah. shows that we'll maybe get into the Ottawa game later. We'll obviously get into the Ottawa game later about their how that game was kind of a little bit different than this one, but we were dominant throughout. It was 5 nothing until super late in the game. There was a shutout um, opportunity there. Would have been nice to get one. Would have been. <laughs> but a win is a win at the end of the day, right? Yeah. And the Jets played well, so you, you can't really complain at all about anything. So Yeah. And it was nice because there was kind of scoring from all over the place. Mm-hmm. Had a goal from Kyle Capobianco. Oh, yeah. Um. He's earning that 6D spot. Oh, boy. <laughs> um, but no, we also had uh, you know a goal uh, in the third there from Janssen Fialbi, uh, a goal from Sam Gagne. Um, a little bit behind the scenes, though, you had a massive game from Dubois, three-assist yeah. game there. Yeah. Um, he's really looking so much better in terms of his vision. Like He just seems yeah. to be finding the passes that, you know, in the past maybe he didn't. He was, you know, just overcooking it a little bit too much. Um, but yeah, he looked great. God, um, he's gonna get paid. Oh yeah. yeah, but uh, no, it was just a really, really good game. Um, just all the way throughout. I, uh, I'm, I'm happy to see that we started the road trip that way. Um, didn't necessarily carry through. Yeah, I mean, it was that morning of the Vancouver game where we got the Schmidt and Wheeler news. Yeah, which, uh, I was fully expecting a letdown, but. Over all three games, I didn't think there was an effort issue. I mean, the Seattle game, which we'll transition into that now, but the team was clearly gassed. I yeah. mean, uh, second night of a back-to-back, they just traveled on Friday. They were um, injuries decimated the lineup. They, you could just tell they they weren't really they didn't really have it, but they still managed to stay close relatively in like chance generation and such. Oh yeah, for sure. Like it, it wasn't necessarily like a, oh this is just an abysmal loss like uh almost like um like there, there's certain losses you can look at you know the the minnesota one mm-hmm. um the one against washington um where you go oh this is awful um <laughs> this is not fun they uh they, they kept it close they did get you know outshot pretty you know thoroughly um which the reason that it was closer as well is in large part thanks to dave riddick yeah who then played well yeah. against ottawa too yeah um, but no, like it was just another one of those situations where, uh, sometimes you're just going to get peppered a little bit. Um, you know, we got out shot 34, 17, so yeah, not ideal. Um, but yeah, losing three, two in that one, um, especially 
it, it was tied at two up until fifteen thirty ish of the uh, of the third period. So it's not like it was a we were chasing the whole game. Uh, we were leading for most of it. Yeah, I mean they just ran out of gas. Simple as that. Yeah, that's the thing. Like the the Jets, when you have so many injuries and you're going to be relying on certain people, they're going to have to sort of. There's a lot of digging deep. Yeah, and I said on the last pod, like, you can expect some letdown games. This wasn't really a letdown game. This wasn't what I meant, really, because Seattle's not a bad team. No. A letdown game, in my eyes, would have been if they lost to Vancouver on the first night of the back-to-back with exactly. Hell Exactly. Uh, I still think we're going to see some of those in the near future, but this, to me, wasn't one of those letdown losses. This was just a regular NHL, like, this just happens, you know. Second night of a back-to-back, you get tired. And then they travel on Monday, they come back home, and they make us all forget about it on Tuesday with a 5-1 win over Ottawa. So, I will say, though, with the Ottawa win, it was a little disappointing the first period. We were getting out shot out chance. But in the David end, Riddick. Yeah, hey, in. Yeah. I, I, will, I will come and clean and say that I was a little bit harsh, I think, in my <laughs> comments last episode about saying, like, oh, the Jets are really playing harder because they're really worried that he's just not going to make a save. He made some saves in both games. He did. Yeah. He played really well. And so... I will take back my comments and say, you know what? You played well for two games, and you may have, depending on how Hellebuck is feeling going forward, he may have to make a couple more right. starts. They said he's going to travel on the road trip, I believe, which is a two-game Thursday-Friday thing, which is good because that's a quick turnaround. So, And it it's not like fun. it's an easy trip either. I mean, no. You start in Boston. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, yeah that's, uh, that's, a, that's a tough one. But, no, the best thing that could possibly happen for the Jets is finding out that David Riddick is feeling confident. Yeah. Because I think that's a lot of the issue, right? Where it's when guys don't play as much. He was a starter in Calgary. That's the thing. And then things started shifting a little. They brought in Markstrom. Um, Then he was the backup everywhere he went. He's still the backup, but it seems like the way that he's playing this year, getting those games in and getting into his groove, he's had... It's the first time he's had two in a row here. Yeah. And, and he made against Ottawa, he had a uh um, you know, thirty five saves on thirty six shots. Yeah. Pretty good. And that's the story of this year's Jets is getting the best out of players that you didn't really expect. Like the entire bottom six. <laughs> like you wouldn't expect Axel Johnson Fialbi to be a decent contributor to this lineup, but here he is, you know. Uh David Riddick doing the same thing. Uh Drake Batherson had almost fifty percent of the center's expected goals in this game. Like that's as unreal. a team. He is <laughs> frighteningly good, and I know, obviously, Connor, you write about the Senators. Plug, plug, plug. plug. <laughs> uh, write about the Senators for the hockey writers, so um, you get a chance to really sort of zero in on some of these guys. Um, from what I can tell, too, just because I grew up a Sens fan, and I keep tabs on them pretty closely, um, it's not necessarily surprising that Batherson is doing so well. No. He is, he's been underrated his whole career. Like He was over a point a game last year, I believe. Uh, and now he had kind of a slow-ish slump there where he didn't score for a few weeks, but now he's back, he's scoring, he's generating so much. Uh, he's with Debrinket now on the second line, or I guess, yeah, the second line, because Pinto's centering it, but that line was the only line that was generating anything for the Senators last night. But I want to talk about how Isimont was a scratch in all three of these games. Yeah. What are your guys' thoughts on that? That upsets me. To be honest, but I've I've always been a ACMont advocator. Um, I mean, I said it in one of the podcast episodes. I thought he was going to be the biggest contributor 
with yeah. a bunch of injuries, which I think he has in some ways. Maybe not scoring like I thought he would maybe would be, but at least in energy and work ethic and that sort of thing. And we'll we'll get into it with Carson Kuhlman. But I don't know. After watching some games, I really do miss having AC Mont in the lineup. I think that he has been good unless like i mean i know connor you tweeted about saying that they the jets were lying about him being sick being a healthy scratch well the jets didn't lie people in my comments did i was like why are they scratching isomont like a normal regular human being just like i thought he was playing good and everyone was jumped to say he was sick well no because mike mcintyre came out and said that he was a healthy scratch and that he asked and he's not sick so but yeah, carry and, on. And, well, <laughs> like, thank you for the clarification. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I, I genuinely thought it was like I, I, I've been a little busy over the week just with working, and so yeah, I was yeah. picking stuff up as I go, and so. But I, I thought that bonuses comments have been quite interesting in terms of AC Mont. Like people have asked him, like, "Well, don't you want him back in the lineup?" He goes, "Well, I, you know, I don't know if we need him." Yeah, if we need fresh legs or, yeah. And it's kind of like, well, what? Not even like a week ago, you were saying like, oh, we have to have him in the lineup all the time. We need him. But like, what's changed? I get Carson Kuhlman is your type of player bonus. Yeah. But you already had that on the roster and was already playing better than who you've picked up on waivers. Not every waiver pickup you're going to pick up, get is good. Like, AJF has been great. and At times. Yes, at times. But... But who would you rather have, AJF or Carson Coleman? At this point, I think they're the same player. They're fast and they do very little <laughs> offensively. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair um, enough. Which is, uh, as you said, Bonus's ideal type of player. He loves all defense guys who can just fire themselves around the ice. Um, which part of me wonders is, was Bonus concerned that Asimont was that and he was stepping too far away from that side of the game for Bonus's liking, and he was taking mm. some liberties defensively, maybe. I don't think maybe. that's true, because I thought Ace Mont looked great all over the ice. He's yeah. great on the forecheck. He's you know he's going to give you a full effort wherever he is on the ice. I think he's someone who should be in the lineup. I mean, that line with Dubois and Connor was really good. It really yeah. was. Um, Very good. But I, I, I think he should be in the lineup. Um, as I said, I think Kuhlman and, and you know a couple of those guys in the bottom of the lineup. If one of them has a bad game or something, you can swap them in and out. Like I don't think there's much of a difference there. No. Uh, most of them, uh, obviously, it was different last game where uh, there was a, an all fourth line goal there from uh, <laughs> uh, I think it was Stenlin from Gustafsson and it out, uh, yeah. that, was, that was kind of unreal. That yeah. was that was pretty good. Nice. Um, but I mean, like to be honest with you, if you swapped, uh, you know. Kuhlman for Janssen Fialbi, I don't think you would see a noticeable difference. No. Um, I don't think he's built to be in the top six. He, he provides zero offensive game to anything. I don't think he's a bad player. I think he's a role player, and he's out of his role. Yeah, I mean, I think they have an idea of these waiver pickups of what they wanted, want them to do in the bottom six, and then with all these injuries, they've needed to be elevated, obviously, into the top six. And I don't know if they're being asked to do anything different, which may hurt the line's like chance generation and like possession numbers. Uh, so that line has not looked good possession numbers wise. Nope. They have looked very bad. Um, Connor Dubois Isimont, you talked about it on the last pod, but fifty-seven percent expected goals. Yep. Six-one in actual goals. Yep. And then Isimont, if he's not sick, why isn't he playing? I uh, that's the thing too, especially because. Bonus has been all about the whole, um, like, if someone's not playing for a long time, 
you want him in the lineup because you don't want cold legs. That's the whole thing with him where it like the he's he's done it with the defensive group, he's done it with certain forwards. Um and he's said that like that's the whole point where it's like he wants guys to make sure that they're not sitting cold for too long. And yeah. I just don't get why, you know, a guy like Acemont who was playing so good comes out instead of, you know, you know guys who they have replacements for in the bottom six. Yeah, I, I I don't get it either. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, the the tired the tired and cold legs thing is just really weird, in com- in combination with his comments that he's made about AC Mont. Yeah, it just I I look at it I I like literally look at my phone and go, and I just squint my eyes and go what? <laughs> what, yeah. what you, you're not I I and I mentioned it to the guys before the podcast. I really hope we don't get into this situation again, with another head coach where lines are working. Everybody sees that those lines are working, and then they go away, and we never see them ever yeah. again. That's and, a- I, and I'm fine with roster turnover and changing stuff up when it's not working. Mm-hmm. But if it's working, then like, let let's keep it going. Yeah, I think you need someone like Asimont in the lineup against like this these two games coming up on the weekend here. Uh, Two of the hottest teams. Boston. That's the thing. And Washington yeah. has finally turned it around. Yeah. They started real slow, but they're finally starting to look a little bit more like Get some they bodies can back. Against, and yeah, that's the thing. They're yeah. the most injured team in the league. Yeah. And they're still <laughs> figuring it out a little bit. But yeah. you're playing Boston. You need someone who can both play that, you know, fast paced four check game, but who also has a bit of an offensive touch. Yeah. Like Boston is arguably the best team in the league. I'd say they are. Like, like that's the thing. Like you can yeah. make a case for a couple other teams. Some teams have fallen off, but they have been. But they have been consistently throughout the year top of the league, dominant. Um. So if you're going to go into Boston with Carson Kuhlman on your top line, it's I listen. I don't want to be a pessimist, but I do not feel confident about that because that line's going to get buried. Yeah. Uh. They've gotten buried against Ottawa and Seattle. So when you go up on the road. To the worst, or the worst, the best team in the <laughs> league. It'd be nice if Boston was the worst team in the league, but no. Uh, and then Washington, yeah, you said they're good. Uh, this is going to be, if Hellebuck doesn't play, Arvid Holm might get a game. I, he said they'll travel, I mean, I but will say, if he's not okay. Holm has looked improved this year. Yes. Um, you obviously will, you've, you've seen more of his games. He started slow, yeah. and he had some blow-up games to start, but he started, uh, Salmon and played uh, Sunday last last Sunday against Belleville. Yeah, but before that, Holm had started four consecutive games and he'd played really good. So I don't know. He was definitely deserving of the call up. Like right now, if it's an emergency basis thing, he's playing better than Salmonen right now. But over the course of the year, I don't know. It's it's pretty even. <laughs> it's wild to me though with the the Moose that they're getting significantly better goaltending this year yeah. than they did last season. But it's now other parts of their game that are starting to look a little bit flawed. But, I mean, that's also injuries. Um, You know, you've lost Lambert and Lucius now to the World Juniors. Juniors. So, yeah, it's just, it's a lot of different circumstances. They're hanging with it, and they're they're still pretty firmly in the hunt for the division. So Doing good, yeah. Yeah, they're doing good. But, no, I think that's the thing. The the call-ups have been bad for the Moose, because they're just losing bodies, um, yeah. but they're 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 doing their best up here. But I don't know if doing their best is enough to beat a team like Boston. Because I'm just looking at their lineup and it's just terrifying. Yes, I Boston mean, the, is... top six. You got uh, Marshawn, Bergeron, DeBrusque, Zaka, Krejci, Pasternak. 
Yikes. Yikes is right. That is the probably the best top six in hockey, one of. That's the thing. Like I would be preaching how good that team is to the Jets right now. Yeah. If I was bonus and be like, all right, let's spend the next, you know, that's the thing. They don't play until Thursday. So they got a, they got a travel day mm-hmm. and then they've got a full practice day uh, with morning skate and everything. I would just on the, the flight over be like, all right, consider doing this because we need to figure out a way to stop them because yeah. they're too good. Way too good. Um, but no, like it's, I, I think you, you, there's a situation where it's like, are you going to put your system players in or are you going to put, put the best players in? Because we're, st- I think right. we're starting to walk that line and I don't know if it's better for the team or not. Yeah. And we can now transition into this topic. We've already talked about how we don't think Kuhlman's really a fit in the top six, but when the line is fully healthy, when Ehlers is back, Wheeler is back, do you think he has a role on this team in the bottom six? Based off what we've seen in three games. Small sample size, but what are your guys' thoughts on the bottom six? I think he's a 13th forward type of guy. Yeah, like He's a right. guy who you know comes in and out of the lineup. You know, Maybe AJF hasn't put up any points in a while, um, or he's just kind of looking lost out there a little. Mm-hmm. Um, he might be a guy you bring in, slot in, you know, fourth, third line maybe at most. Um, I don't think he is an every, he wasn't an everyday player in Seattle either. Um, watched him come in and out of the lineup a lot, yeah. but they have a they have a really um, consistent sort of all right. You haven't played for a couple of days, you're in. You haven't played for a couple of days, you're in. Um, Shane Wright, you're not allowed. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You um, get sent down. Yeah, but no, like it's. I I think at most he's a you know a bottom six body that can come in and out of the lineup because he's used to sort of being the the press box to ice sort of guy. From what we can tell, he may not be the one who hits waivers. I mean, yeah. guys like Toninato have cleared waivers now twice this season. Yeah, um, he's probably gonna like that's the thing with Coolman. There, I don't think there's any rule at all, especially once they're healthy for Toninato to even come back up. No, but then you start talking about guys like Harkins. Yeah, what has Harkins done recently? Yeah. Recently, not much. That's the thing. Like, I saw, I can't remember who it was. I should probably look it up because it was really funny where someone tweeted out that, like, okay, it, we've reached that point where we should send Harkins back down for five games, let him go insane, yeah, and, and then, then come, come back, back up, up, and he looks great. Just do a constant cycle. But let's, I'll, we can get to your thoughts after, Elliot, but I want to do kind of a would you rather with bottom six wingers here because we've talked a lot about the interchangeability yeah. of. Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter who you put in the bottom six at this point. They're, they're gonna, all the same. They're all the same. But let's do a little uh, a little game here. So I'll go to both of you. Brian first, then Elliot. I like games. Yes. This is let's great. Uh, Carson Kuhlman or Kevin Stenland? I'm going to say Kevin Stenland. Wow. Because of his ability to play center and wing. Um, okay. And I actually I quite like how he plays. I just find he plays big. Yeah. Uh, he plays smart. Um, he's not as fast, but I actually, just the way he looks on the ice, he looks similar to the way Blake Wheeler carries himself. Yeah. Um, which, if he's going to be, you know, throwing his weight around is a good thing because it's just, you like having that lower down because he's not a bad player either. No, he's not. You can tell there's some skill there. Like, yeah. he had a beautiful uh, bat out of the air goal. Yeah. So it's, yeah. No, I'd, I'd say Stenlin and that. Okay, Elliot? I'll go with Stenlin, too. Really? I, okay. Again, I will mention the versatility being able to play down the middle or on the wing, mm-hmm. but realistically, you look at Kuhlman, he's just a winger, right? And yeah. so, And 
I, I, Stenland has been up around the same time as we've had Kuhlman. They've probably played the same similar number of games. Just from the eye test, I notice Stenland more than I do Kuhlman. Yeah. Like, I was watching the game last night against Ottawa, and I'm looking around, I'm like, okay, yes, Stenland scored, so that raises it. But even just in and out of play, I notice him more. Kuhlman, I was like, is he even on the ice at some points? I'm like, are, are you even out there? Are we playing with four four or five? So I'm, I would rather have Stenland. Okay, I, I'm going to be the lone one on this side, but I'm going to go with Kuhlman here just because you guys talked about how uh, – Stenland is better at center, but Stenland playing center pushes Gustafson to the wing, which I don't like. So that's going to be my reasoning. Fair that, enough. That being said, um, I'm, I'm just as you were saying that I was doing some digging. Mm-hmm. I want you. So in 23 minutes played together, Janssen Fjallby, Kevin Stenland, and David Gustafson. First of all, all Swedes, so they can speak. Swedes, they can speak yeah. Swedish on the ice. That's really it helps. Is. It's the communication that's throwing teams. So off. in three games together. They have an 84.6% expected goals percentage. Yeah, that's So, ridiculous. like, it's obviously way too small of a sample size to say that'll continue. I don't think it will. Um, but even then, Stenland, uh, there was Gustafsson, Stenland, Gagne, also really good, up yeah. over 60%. Um, so it's it's a situation in which you roll with Stenland because Gustafsson's playing a center's game on the wing, and he looks... Like he's like he. It's as if he's playing center on the wing in terms of how he's playing his matchups. Yeah. And I think it's valuable because then you also have someone if someone gets tossed out, or depending on who's on their strong side, you just swap them in and out. Yeah. But I think there's something about that you know that group there with Stenlin at center that's been successful in limited minutes. Yeah. Um. All right. So two to one for Stenlin there. We'll now go to Jansen Harkins. We, you already kind of touched on it, but if you had to take one out of the lineup, who would you take out? Uh, it, like Kuhlman or Harkins? Kuhlman or Harkins? Yeah. Uh, mm. I'll be honest. I have seen very little out of either of them in the last week, mm-hmm. and it's hard to make a decision out of nothing. Take them both out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but that's the thing. Like, it, it's a realistic option that when so, when this team is getting healthier, if we bring someone into our top six. Um, both of them might not have a spot in this lineup. Yeah, I don't um, think they do. Like Harkins, to me, in the past, you know, couple weeks, he started off. He looked actually half decent. He was putting the puck in the net. Mm-hmm. Uh, last couple weeks, he's invisible. Yeah, I thought he had a good game against Ottawa. Actually, I don't know that he like when he doesn't put up points. It's hard to quantify what he's like, contributing because he's a good forechecker. He's not as good as like AJF or Stenland or Gustafson, but. He, his stuff more comes off the rush and using his speed, and when he's not doing that, it's hard to really say, like, oh, he did really well in this because, you know. But like, I will say the line of Harkins, Lowry, and Barron has actually been pretty good yeah. overall. Uh, they're one of those lines that they're, they're not going to do a whole lot for you, but they, they've they been the matchup line a lot of the times. I feel like every line with Lowry on it has been good, though. That's like, good, again, he's he's, he's back to being, yeah, like, yeah. but... I think the issue with me, I, 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 if I had to choose, which this is the the spirit of the game, exactly. Um, I would say, I would take out Coolman purely because he's shown me less with better players. Fair enough, Elliot. Um, well, I'm kind of in the same boat with. Uh, I realistically don't think that either of them mm-hmm. stay in the lineup when everybody comes back because you have to think about Harkins plays the wing. Then you're bringing back also you're bringing back Wheeler, you're bringing back Appleton, 
right. and you're bringing back Ehlers. You're bringing back three guys that all play on the right side. So when you think about it, those are two guys that have been non-existent. And if I'm management, I go, okay, well, these guys haven't done anything, so they're out. So realistically, it's a tougher decision for somebody else to take out, like a Janssen Fialbi who's been in the lineup for most of the year or whoever. But again, in the spirit of the game, I'm going to go with Harkins, but it's a tough pick. I, I was To keep leaning, in the lineup. To keep yeah, okay. Harkins in the lineup. I've, I was sort of leaning Kuhlman. Just to say, hey, let's give him a couple more games to see if anything happens. Mm -hmm. But, again, he's just been so not there that I would much rather have Harkins, who I can at least notice is actually maybe doing something on the forecheck rather than Kuhlman just gets on the ice, gets off, and I didn't even know that he he had a shift. I'll also go with Harkins to keep in the lineup. But one caveat here, I think I want to see Kuhlman on the wing with Lowry because his speed – uh, and the on like driving down the wing kind of reminds me of Appleton and the way he plays in that sense. So I think he could kind of replace that skill set yeah. if, if that's a possibility. Once but, again, it's the whole plug-in-and-play thing of the bottom six because I yeah. feel like if you move any of them around, you're going to get a similar yeah. dynamic. Exactly. And the top line, he, I don't, he doesn't fit with Shifley and Perfetti. But, nope. Uh, I would like to see him on the third line. I, I think the next two names are fairly quick for us. Sam Gagne. All Gagne? Are we all Gagne? Oh, I'm all Gagne. No, yeah. he's Gagne. Gagne. It. I feel like the, the benching, like a few weeks. That back, was weird. I mean, it was, but I'll be honest. <laughs> uh, I can't say I disagree with it at the time. Like there yeah. was, there was a solid like. But it's just been week or so. It was a week or so though where Gagne had done absolutely nothing. He went like 19 games without a point. Yeah. Um, but he came back. He didn't. He's been bouncing around the lineup a bit too because he was playing. Uh, you know, with that Stenlin group for a couple games, then they moved him back up after Wheeler went down, um, and he's looked pretty good. Uh, got uh, uh, Cam Talbot cheating. Oh yeah, uh, last night. Um, you know, got a really weird goal right out the circle. But I mean, you they don't ask how they come. They just yeah. how many. Um, but no, like I I feel like he's he's come back and started playing a little bit more as to what he looked like in the first few games of the season, which is massive. Yeah. Because they need some form of offensive game. And he's not he's not a four checker. He's 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 a he's a playmaker that has kind of done it throughout his entire career. Obviously not to the scale of what he was doing in say like Edmonton and stuff, but no, he's uh he's someone that I think needed to, you know, possibly just have a few games to just sort of reflect on what was going on with his game and come back with you know fresh fresh mindset and he has and he's looked better to speak on the the uh, how you said in the top six they needed a playmaker I think the top line would work better with Gagne Perfetti Shifley Gagne because they play at more of a slower pace kind of a methodical work your way down yeah Connor Dubois and X if you put Axel or Icymont like a four checker right they play at a quicker pace they're on you, they're forechecking, yada yada. Coolman? I think Gagne. Coolman? Yeah. No, like I'm, I'm not advocating for that because I also don't think it would work. But I think they should flip them. Um, I think that would work better than it is right now. Exactly. Yeah. Because yeah. even if Coolman's not doing the offensive carrying or anything, he's still fast, and you kind of need yeah. that. Yeah, and then AJF, Isimont, like any forechecker, really. Yeah. On that exactly would really work. Um, yeah. So that's I guess are we all AJF too, for that versus Coolman? I honestly, I would not choose. I think they're they're both. I think I think both, they're though. very similar. I would players. take Harkins over AJF. 
at this point, yes. Yeah. Um, I feel like those three are essentially okay. Uh, this guy hasn't played in you know three weeks. Are those three the first three out? I think so. For Ehlers Wheeler out. But the, but then the question is is do we want do we actually even want Appleton back in? Yeah. Because that's the other thing. I would too. take Appleton over all three of those guys. Not gonna lie. I probably yeah. would, but it would yeah. be me sitting there for a couple minutes going. No, yeah, okay, I guess we don't once, really have any other options. Well, that's the thing. Once the Jets are fully healthy, I we will not see one of, or I all of, I should say, uh, AJF, Asimont, Harkins. Yeah. Uh, they, they, none Until of them preseason. will they'll be back on the fourth line. Like, these guys or, are in elevated roles now. They are, but, but I mean, I honestly But I everybody has to shift, right? Yeah. Every, everyone has to shift, and, and you're going to, a lot of guys will be waived. Yes, and... Uh, I really want to see Bear and Lowry Appleton because that's a line I feel like could really work. Like that third line could somehow get better. Yeah, and they never really got a chance to play together. No, so I I want to see that when they come back. So then again, yeah, you only got room for really two wingers on the fourth line there out of all the names we've mentioned: Coolman, Gagne, Stenland, AJF, Icymont, Harkins. Only two of them really have a chance on that fourth line. So yeah, it's it's there's going to be some cuts for sure. Um, we can now move on. Just we'll do a quick hit on how good Cal Connor and Josh Morrissey have been. Yeah. That Ottawa game, Josh Morrissey, that was honestly one of the best games I've seen play this year, which is saying a lot because he has obviously had an amazing year. He's in the Norris Trophy race, uh, but he was just making plays every time he touched the puck. That one set up on the Cal Connor goal, uh, he seamed it through. Cal Connor had a wide open net because Morrissey drew every defender and the goalie. Oh, it was phenomenal. And then his goal, the movie put on the blue line was amazing. And that goal moves his point streak to 10 games. Um, which I mean, last game uh he extended it to 9, which officially gave him the longest point streak by defenseman for the Jets ever. So that put him past the likes of Dustin Bufflin and Toby Anstrom. And Mark Stewart. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Ah, that's a name I haven't heard in a while. I, I was trying to think of somebody else to back that up, but I couldn't. Johnny um, O'Doo. But no, um, uh, Anstrom and, and Buff both had you know eight-game point streaks. Morrissey has now had a 10 and yes. is showing no signs of slowing streak. down. Um, but no, and that's the other thing too. He's not the only one with a double-digit point streak. Yeah. His pass to Connor extended both of theirs because Connor is now at a 10-game point streak. Mm-hmm. Um, He's back. He, that's the thing. What did I say? I knew it wasn't a problem. Yeah. A little slow start, but that's okay. That happens. I said it was nothing. Could you imagine the pace he'd be on right now if he didn't get off that slow start? He would be on a 50-goal pace. Well, he's what? He's got 15 now, right? Yeah. Yep. He's on a 40, like 1, 40-ish goal Him pace. and Dubois are of both course. on 41, and Shifley's on a close to Like 50. 55, 50, yeah. Which is crazy. He's kind of upset 50, yeah. that... Shifley didn't score against Ottawa just because I wanted to see him just keep going with the yeah. goals. But if Cal Connor, like he's got 38 points in 32 games, so obviously he's having a great year. Uh, but if he did not score, or if he scored in his first 15 games or whatever that was, yeah, he would be uh, at like 20 goals right now. He'd be on a 50-goal pace like we all expected to start the year, but that slow start just kind of killed those dreams. Um, well, what's, what's nice, uh, though, is... Those two guys have finally jumped back into talk, you know, just uh, with outside of Winnipeg too, mm-hmm. where it, fe- it felt like Connor uh, with a slow start, you weren't hearing his name as much, 
because um, it seemed like finally last year you really he was starting to get the league wide attention that he probably deserved. Yeah. Um, and now Morrissey is getting you know chatter outside of you know the city of Winnipeg now. Slowly but surely, I'll um, say. But uh, I'm saying this as well because I opened up Twitter just to make sure that nothing wild had happened, and uh, Jay Fresh is jumping on the Morrissey hype train. Oh, jeez. Uh, he, uh, he was saying that he's tempo- temporarily lifting the embargo on the, the player cards, and he's jumping on the Morrissey heist- hype train. Uh, he's got a projected war percentage of uh, 90%. Those J Fresh cards, man. But no, like it, it's just... It's a, a lot of what his game is now is... It just seems... He seems so comfortable and so confident, and you just... You'll never probably know what really... Uh, that's the thing. Like he was not bad offensively in the last few seasons. No, um, he was quite good actually. Set a career high in goals. But there's something about this year that it's just he make he's making it look easier, and it just like it's I think it's just either his vision or just what he's playing uh, in terms of his system wise that it's just so nice to see things clicking, um, uh, especially after him doing quite a bit offensively last year uh, in the year before. And just not getting the recognition. Yeah, and his defense, I think, kind of gets a bad rap because of that Canadian division. He was in over his head. Yeah, his the partners on his side weren't very good. Uh, he kind of had to carry every pairing he was on, and he was playing twenty seven minutes a night against Connor McDavid. So yeah, I can't really blame him for that. But he's just playing at a level we've never seen before. It's it's quite insane. Uh, Cal Connor, the change in his production kind of came at the same time when he put, got put back with Dubois. Yeah. Uh, if we could keep those two at the hip for the next seven years, that would be great. Oh, that'd be great. Because let's sign Dubois, and then let's just have that as our top line for the foreseeable future. Because they're both young. Connor's 26, Dubois 24, and they produce when they're together. I often forget that Dubois is younger than I am, and it freaks me out because it feels like he's just been in the league for so long. Yeah. He's been playing like at a high level since he was what nineteen twenty. Yeah, yeah. Like, I feel like he had that sort of coming out party against the Leafs in the yeah uh, the little play in there. Um, but no, it just he seems like he's sort of grown into his game finally. It, it and it, I haven't checked the numbers, and this is mainly just me speculating. But it feels like he's not taking as many stupid penalties. Yeah. Um, I feel like a lot of them I are... I disagree. He's I, at 28 penalty minutes. But he's also... It is not highest on the team. I will tell you that. Oh. There you go. Uh, that what goes is? to Brendan Dillon Brendan at Dillon. I mean, he also... But the only Dillon thing is that he fights. Yeah. Um, but with Dubois, though, he's he's always going to be that guy who plays with an edge, and sometimes he's going to get the calls against him, and other times he's going to get the other guy pulled out of the pile. So with him, you know that you get, you're going to have some extra penalty minutes. It feels like a lot of his this year have not been like those just stupid lazy penalties mm-hmm. um like it's stuff that like he'll be jarring with someone and then he'll just sock him in the face and you're like okay roughing but he probably right. said something <laughs> roughing but yeah um no but like I, it's nice to have uh his play style so prominently featured because it does obviously obviously it can disadvantage the jets at, at times that being said he will very regularly um you know, get to that point where someone else is going to take the penalty on him. Yeah. And he, for a long time, the argument has been that he draws as many penalties as he takes, which is true because he yeah. draws like the most in the league, but he takes at a top five rate or whatever. So he's uh, he's been great. That one pass to Connor, Connor's uh, second goal against Ottawa, that uh, low to high 
in the in the high slot. I don't know what Otto was doing, leaving Kyle Connor wide open in the slot. But that was a great pass. Those two ha- clearly have chemistry, and is a big reason for why Connor is dominating right now. The only thing I want to ask, and we can ask all the listeners and the people that follow us on all of our social medias. By the way, if you're not following us on social <laughs> media, please do that. Oh yeah. Um, hey, but hey, you can't say that on Twitter anymore. Oh right. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Elon. Uh, anyway, <laughs> you know, like I want to know since Cal Connor scored for the first time this year, and how how many games has that been? Because I don't know off the top of my head, and what is his points total since he scored. Yes. Um <clears throat> sorry. Excluding that empty net goal, I think it was in the home opener. Yeah, I don't I don't want to so count that cuz that after that, yes, yeah. because then the next goal came against Montreal, uh which was an overtime winner and we talked about it. It was like when is he going to score yada, yada, and then he scored an overtime it was a big goal. Uh, but excluding that one empty netter that started the season, yeah, I'd, I'd want to know that as well because he, it seems like he's been on a tear. Well, even after that game against Montreal where he had the overtime winner, he then went four straight without scoring after that. Right, yeah. And yeah. then he had the hat trick against Anaheim. Then mm, yes, uh, the then he went trick. two more games without scoring. And then since then, um, the most he's gone is three games without a goal, but he has a point in all but one of those. Yeah. So he's still producing without the goal scoring, but the goal scoring is still coming every couple games. Like he's running pretty, you know, firmly at al- almost almost a goal per game pace since that uh that hat trick against Anaheim. Yeah. Yeah, that that hat trick against Anaheim was definitely a turning point because he yeah, only had two goals up until that point. And he scored the OT winner, so everyone was like, oh, he's fine. And then, like you said, he went four straight without scoring again. So it was like, well, is he back to being bad? No. Uh, he's Cal Connor, right? So exactly. uh, he's got seven goals and 10 assists, 17 points in the month of December. And we've got, like, four more games here. Yep. So that's pretty good. Uh, I know that's some hard-hitting analysis there, but <laughs> he's been great. He was a plus four against Ottawa. That line was amazing. Uh, he's a plus eight in the month of December. Like plus minus isn't the greatest, but that's pretty notable. I think I, in, I, in one month. <laughs> I I don't think you really need to say anything other than him and Morrissey have been good. Yeah, I, I think as much been as the two we'll, best we will, skaters I, I, on the team, as much as we will go deep into them, I don't think there's really any. Nece- we just did yeah. it because it's fun, but <laughs> I don't think it's necessary. We gotta that talk about the that. best players sometimes. You know, we yeah. talked about bottom six players who might not be in the lineup in two weeks. Yeah. So we like, gotta switch it up or more. You or, got or you, more. You have to sometimes just acknowledge that some players are just better than just better. Yep, and they just bigger, find faster, ways. stronger. Yep, for sure. Um, <laughs> but like, no, like it's just it's a matter of just discussing why players are as good as they are and why sometimes they may look like they're struggling but they're just in a bit of a rut and because they're good they will continue to be good yeah yeah and speaking of the in the rut like seeing players pull themselves out of it josh morrissey like it's so nice to see him dominating and playing at this level after kind of what he went through uh with all of his dad and that whole situation that was so devastating it's really nice to see him as like a human being succeeding and playing at a Norris Trophy level, because there's not a guy on the team that deserves it more. Exactly. Yeah, he's he's such a nice guy. He's he deserves it all. Uh, it's so nice to see him finally get the national recognition for how good he's really playing. Precisely. Um, and that was all of the notes that we have. Right? Yeah. 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 We're uh... we already kind of previewed the the next two games, Boston and Washington, and then they've got the holiday break. 
and they are back uh, at home against Washington. Or sorry, Minnesota, Vancouver, and then New Year's Eve they get the Oilers, and then we are off to Lovely. the New Year. I feel like we've played Edmonton on New Year's Eve several times. I think that's a thing. Yeah, because we're in Edmonton. We wore the heritage aways in Edmonton on New yeah. Year's Eve, and that's yeah. a that's a. Thing. I wish it was a rivalry game on New Year's Eve. Oh, it is. <laughs> oh, I but I mean, I know we don't really like the Oilers, but like, am I? Is it bad for me to say that I'd rather see like the Wild or the Predators or like somebody that we actually have like a playoff? Rivalry against. I, I, I get. Um, I get that the media has made this narrative. No, but this of is like, also we don't like the Oilers. But I'm like, you don't want to see Pionk versus McDavid on prime time. <laughs> I don't <laughs> think. <laughs> when, I was just looking at Pionk's numbers. I really don't think I want to see Pionk <laughs> against any but sort. He owns of, McDavid. Apparently, <laughs> I, I don't think he does. And you know, well, we have to also. He's consider... a minus two this year. He's like one of the only negative players oh, on the a, team this he's year. He's a bomb. No. We have I'm to. Not con- saying he's a bomb, but he's gonna be great this year. Yeah, we have to think though no, about the the rivalry factor though with the fans who watched Jets 1.0. Fair enough. Anyone who watched the Jets 1.0 hates the Oilers with every ounce of their being because we were never <laughs> able to get past either them or Calgary to actually make a move in the playoffs. Yeah. So that anything against like the uh, I think it's the Sm- Smythe division. I think that's what it was. I think yeah. Um, was it the Smythe? Yeah. Where those teams gave such a problem to the original Jets that, you know, a lot of people uh, from, you know, previous generations just hate them. So yeah. I think enough. I think you lean into it a little bit. Plus you get better, um, you know, media attention because it's two Canadian teams, right? So yep. uh, I think that's a, a better thing to play into. This is something we talk about when it actually gets hashed out, but there is talk of expanding the schedule to 84 games um, and including a few more rivalry games. That's... It's super. I, I don't like it. I don't. I don't. I, I feel like there's not enough information. Unless there's out a there. special venue involved, I don't want it. I yeah, because this is the way I think about it. Imagine if the Lakers and Celtics played like nine times a year. This isn't baseball. Like yeah, could you imagine? Like by the time they've played the for the fifth time, it's like I like I'm tired of it already. It's like, like yeah, the they're finals. rivals, but yeah, it's well, like that's the over thing. Over the course of an 80 game season, you no, don't exactly. want to play one team nine times or eight times. Like, yeah, oh, it's a rivalry, but that's not how you build rivalries. The only time I would Big like games. that is yeah. eight games of Battle of Alberta. <laughs> yeah. That's it. And hold all of them outside. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. um, but no, like, it's in baseball, like, I know, like, the Jays are going to play the Yankees 19 times this season because they're in the same division. But, like, yeah. It, but it's 100, 162. But even then, like, if you scale it down, like, it's still a lot. A lot. But, no, I, I feel like there needs to be more detail, though, in terms of what we look at for potential schedules. Yeah. Before we, I think I don't, I have an opinion on it yet because it was like, oh, we might, and then they left it at that. But, like, when the Jays play the Yankees for the 14th time in a season, are you like, yes, let's watch Jays, Yankees again? That's a good point. Like, I don't know. I just, you build rivalries through playoff series. Like, Nashville, like you said, is a team that's viewed as one of the Jets' biggest rivals because of that playoff series. They don't play them nine times a year, and that's not how they built it, you know? It's not like, oh, this one regular season game in November is really turning the tide and building a rivalry. It's, you make it naturally. That's how rivalries happen. Like, uh, like the all of the rivalries that are historic from like the 90s and the 2000s are because of these amazing playoff series and Stanley Cup finals and teams meeting in the and they they already cater to that with the playoff uh seating where yeah. you only play in your division you go 2-3 uh One, like four. you've seen the Leafs play the Bruins a million times you've seen the Leafs play the Lightning now um 
we're going to play the Wild or the Predators again for the fourth time in the playoffs. Like, I, that they've already catered to that. I don't want to see them cater to it more. I mean, and you look at the NBA, too. Even, like, as much as Cavs-Warriors was great the first, like, two times, they were also making those matchups during the regular season. Yeah. So by the time you got to, like, Cav- Cavs v. Warriors 3.0, <laughs> you're like, I just saw this in the regular season and it's two like, times, and it's like and you've February. hyped it up, you put it on Christmas Day already, too. Like, I think I've had enough. The best, I, you guys will laugh at this, and if anybody else is listening from Winnipeg will understand this, my favorite rivalry, and the one that, it's not at the professional level, it's at the high school level, and oh this is a god. true rivalry: Dakota versus Glenlawn. Oh god! All right, let's. <laughs> but are but, we but, are we really going to end on that? <laughs> I think so, but but for people that don't know, those two schools have been like they're literally across the street from each other. Like right. they're less than five minute drive. It's a ten minute geographic walk. rivals. You it, know. But but they're in the same league. We always play them in the playoffs, and it's it's big all the time. It, it, regular season game, gym's packed. Game could yeah. mean nothing. Both team normally there's always years where one team's better than the other, and the gym is still packed. Yeah, and and fans are going at it, players are going at it, and it's good. But it's because it's built from just playing in the like in league finals, and we pl- pl- we used to play them in tournaments. As I'm a Dakota alum, and you play them, and you just have this disdain for them because mm-hmm. you play them always in big games, and either you win or you lose. And but so, if, if you play them ten times a year, right? Like, like high school basketball, you play. 20 and that's games. what I'm saying. If you played tw- ten of them against Glenlawn, it's like, well, by game eight, the gym's not going to be packed. Well, you know? well that's like, what I'm saying. Yeah. It gets old. <laughs> you played them like my grade twelve year, my senior year. We played them like five or six times. By the time we got to the league final, we were playing them the sixth time. This was the COVID year, so we didn't actually have to play them in provincials or anything. But the sixth time league final, I was like, okay, I think I've had enough because we played them twice in league. We played them in the tournament final, and I think we played them in some other tournament game. So it was just just like, it was just, it got to the point where it's too many. In my junior year, we played them like four times total, and it was great. Every single time we played them, it was heated. It was good. Yeah. So and th- and that's what I'm trying to say. Those rivalry games are good for when you only play them a least amount of times. That's why I don't think if you're going to expand the schedule, add more other different teams. Other teams, make it yeah. make it so that you create new use it to create new rivalries. Don't just use it to continue rivalries. Yeah. Because it's just not going to be great. Yeah. It's it's really not. I really hope they don't do that. I'm glad you brought that up because I wanted to talk about it. Um, I really hope they do not go forward with that yeah but obviously we'll touch on that more when they have more detail um, and if they actually do it yeah. and if they actually do it yeah because that could be shot down pretty quickly it but, could um no i think with that that wasn't in the notes but yeah i mean uh, i think i think we're uh, about ready to wrap up here so um yeah it's it's nice to finally get back into a regular recording schedule Two um, weeks in a row, full lineup. I know. And then it's going to change because we can't get in the studio because of <laughs> winter break. And yeah. I'm going to be in some much nicer weather starting All right. Thursday, can we, can so. we not? <laughs> it's it's getting real You're cold You're making here. me want to go to yeah. Florida sooner. <laughs> no, minus 43 last night. That was ridiculous. Oh, my hands were freezing. Yeah. I had to pick my car up, um, and I, like looked at my car and I went, you better start for me right now. <laughs> well, let me just also just say for our American listeners, because I know there's a few of you, uh, if, you if you're if you not aware, minus 40 is where Celsius and Fahrenheit even out. Yes. <laughs> so when we say it's like minus 40 something, that's also in Fahrenheit. So yeah. uh, that's also with the wind chill. So wind chill technically isn't real temperature. 
but you're still looking. It feels real to me. Fair enough. <laughs> it feels real to no, my body. But, uh, that's obviously, uh, certain people will feel it more than others, though, if you're getting the wind right. heavier. Um, but We're in the prairie, like if, man. If, if, that, if I, that wind swirls. That's the thing. I, I live close to a, a, a big field. Uh, I'm going to feel it. Yeah, um, exactly. But like I think even just like the baseline temperature was well under minus 30. So it's just like, yeah. It's like minus 26, minus 27. I know. It's just... We we we're, we're hitting that point now. Uh, January is normally the coldest, so <laughs> yeah. Um, this is now a weather podcast. Yes, global climate change. Tune sucks. in next week for the weather updates. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or on our social medias. Exactly. Only one though. Twitter. Sorry, Elon. <laughs> yeah, we'll we only are swear. only on one platform. <laughs> wink, wink. Yeah. <laughs> Don't look uh, for us on Instagram or Facebook at Level Flight Winnipeg. Don't. And we repeat, do not do that, <laughs> wink, wink. Because if you do, if you do... <laughs> Elon keep... Musk is coming. Yeah. All right, All right. but uh, no, it's it's been a fun episode. Um, but yeah, we'll be back on a regular recording schedule after winter break here, after Connor returns from... Florida, um, yeah. but oh, yeah. no, from all of us here at Level Flight, we want to wish everyone a safe and happy holiday season. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. And we just hope that everyone, you know, enjoys themselves. If you have time to actually take off, do that, you know, just enjoy yourself, be with family if you can. Um, but yeah, everyone be safe. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. And uh, we'll see you after the break. All right. Go Jets. Go, go Jets. Jets. See you in episode eight. You've been listening to the Level Flight Podcast.